fall of 2019, a friend of mine hosted an event she puts on called Sunday Sessions to support upcoming artists while bringing together music lovers in a warm and relaxing setting. One of the performers was Drake Murphy, a talented singer-songwriter. Not being able to resist talking about potentially collaborating musically, Drake and I eventually met up a few weeks after the event. I learned his story and his background, which involves some heartache, life challenges, triumph over them, and success. Drake is a two-time Carolina Music Award-winning artist for Best Rock and Roll Male, and has written for a plethora of artists. He's published quite a few songs, with one of my favorites being Pillowcase, an acoustic ballad about a significant other being able to vent about him to anything, essentially treating him like she would a pillowcase. So far on Spill the Matcha, we've had episodes covering career coaching, life-changing catalysts, film, and TV directing. As a lover of music who has composed classical scores for original book soundtracks and a variety of pop music as a producer, I'm happy to have an episode featuring a musical guest. In this episode of Spill the Mantra, we chat about what it's like to tour around the U.S. as a musician, the process of creating an indie tour, how music can be used to influence society, and more. This is your territory. This is fuel from morning runs. This is lunch during back-to-back meetings and dinner and time back for bedtime stories. This is an unquestionably healthy meal that arrives ready to eat. This is zero gluten, zero added sugar, and zero dirty dishes. This is Territory Foods. Visit territoryfoods.com slash yum slash T-I-K-V and use code RJ Tolson to get $25 off your first two orders. Food delivered, no assembly required. Check out our terms page for more details. 48 hours of protection and no white marks. Gillette Clear Jack, because every day should be no sweat. In the fall of 2019, a friend of mine hosted an event she puts on called Sunday Sessions to support upcoming artists while bringing together music lovers in a warm and relaxing setting. One of the performers was Drake Murphy, a talented singer-songwriter. Not being able to resist talking about potentially collaborating musically, Drake and I eventually met up a few weeks after the event. I learned his story and his background, which involves some heartache, life challenges, triumph over them, and success. Drake is a two-time Carolina Music Award-winning artist for Best Rock and Roll Male, and has written for a plethora of artists. He's published quite a few songs, with one of my favorites being Pillowcase, an acoustic ballad about a significant other being able to vent about him to anything, essentially treating him like she would a pillowcase. So far on Spill the Matcha, we've had episodes covering career coaching, life-changing catalysts, film, and TV directing. As a lover of music who has composed classical scores for original book soundtracks and a variety of pop music as a producer, I'm happy to have an episode featuring a musical guest. In this episode of Spill the Mantra, we chat about what it's like to tour around the U.S. as a musician, the process of creating an indie tour, how music can be used to influence society, and more. feel inspired to reach our goals and become our best self the way we always have. 
through learning from a collective of experiences shared by fellow people. I will ask guests from wellness experts, thought leaders, best-selling authors, and career coaches to experience luminaries, to spill the matcha, to lay out bare their truths, advice, and opinions in an effort to bring to light informative knowledge on a variety of different topics meant to help you further along the journey to achieving what you want in life. Knowledge is power, and together, we are stronger. Your journey continues now, with us along for the ride. I'm proud to welcome two-time Carolina Music Award-winning artist for Best Rock and Roll Male, Drake Murphy. Welcome, Drake. Thank you for having me. I'm glad you're here. Uh, first off, I need to warn you that you are not going to be able to use my shirt as a pillowcase <laughs> in this episode. Or I got you. Maybe later, maybe not. Yeah, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. That's an inside joke. <laughs> you can check the song out on uh, Spotify. There Apple you go. Music, all nice that plug. good stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> plug, <laughs> plug, plug, plug. There you go. Well, uh, tell us about you. Tell us about your background and where you come from in the music industry. So I'm from North Carolina. Grew up musical family all the way from my granddad. He was an orphan and uh, had to play music to stay alive. And he told us that at nine years old, he would walk from bar to bar playing every night. They'd pay him in food, predominantly popcorn, and uh, went on from there to build a dynasty in Pinehurst, North Carolina. And my family still has the contract to the Carolina Hotel, well, the Carolina Country Club as well, for all the music. And that's where they do the U.S. Open and all that. So anytime, yeah, anytime musicians come to the area or the resort needs music, they have to go through my family's company to get that that's very cool yeah and so it's like music is not only my love but it's survival in my blood you know music is that deeply ingrained so when it comes to me I grew up playing so many different instruments finally landed on the guitar is my favorite because a girl left me for a guitar player when I was 18 and I was like yo this is the only instrument that I don't play I didn't think that oh she just doesn't like me anymore yeah I took it personal, like, oh, it's she wants the guitarist. Yeah. yeah, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to play a guitar. I went out in my garage, found a guitar with three strings, wrote a song that night, fell in love with the guitar, and the rest is history. Nice. Yeah. Well, so your your grandfather, you mentioned, what decade was that? Like, what time period? Oh, my gosh. That had to be... Like, 1940s? Probably, yeah. Wow. Uh, late 30s early 40s that's that's incredible i mean to to that's i mean jim crow yeah as well oh too. God, so yeah. being able to build a, a a dynasty in you know music in that sense is, mm-hmm. is pretty incredible from the time period that you picked up your guitar and started playing even more so than when you were growing up mm-hmm. what tell us about like what what's happened since you got here to la oh man so Because you've won two awards as well, too. Yeah, I won the first award back in 2016. I had just moved out here to L.A. And, like, what, three weeks later, they had the award show. I wasn't expecting to win. I was just like, oh, man, not grateful for the nomination. Mm -hmm. And then my friend calls me. He was like, bro, you just won. I was like, are you serious? (laughs) 
So that happened. And then I won again in 2018. Same type thing. I didn't even write an acceptance speech. Okay. Yeah, just because I was like, you know, the other nominees are amazing. It's like so much competition. Really? Okay. Yeah. And when they called my name, I was just like, oh, shit, I got to come up with a speech. speech." So I went up and I was just like, you know what? Shout out to Jimi Hendrix, the real king. You know, (laughs) and just let it roll from there. It was really cool, though. And, uh, huh. Let me see, let me see, let me see. When I came out here this time, I actually came before I moved Okay. in 2019. I yeah. drove across the country twice on a tour that I put myself on. Started in North Carolina, went to uh, New York, New Jersey, zigzagged all the way across the country, the northern route, came here, and then went back, zigzagged all the way across a semi-southern route like we didn't go super south but yeah it was a completely different route and we stopped and played at all the rest stops along the way so you said you went you've gone to like what are some of the states like missouri i remember was one. yeah missouri uh utah mm-hmm. that was freaking beautiful i didn't know utah was that beautiful went to denver fell in love with that city yeah went to vegas three times this summer it's absolutely crazy. We don't have to talk about that. No, and how many? So, I mean, Vegas is always a good time, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. How? Uh, so, how many places did you actually? Because like, you, you're, you're, what was really incredible about your tour wasn't just the fact that you did it, mm-hmm. uh, but it was also the fact that you went and like individually just went to places and asked them if you could play, right? I didn't even ask because I didn't want to risk the chance of being said, being told no. So when you toured mm-hmm. and you what was special about it was the fact that you not only did it but also that you went to these individual places and you just showed up mm-hmm. so did you ask when you showed up or no you know, what was the what did you how did you how'd you go about doing that i pulled up and my friend chasen chasen was with me and i would just put my guitar on go sit out there and start playing and we got kicked out of a couple places but i'd rather get kicked out and have played for the people there mm-hmm. than asking and then be like no no we don't want that and not being able to share with the people there so did you when you got kicked out because that's Mm -hmm. interesting so (laughs) did you get like literally kicked out did you have any actual like intense experiences or were they more like hey sir you can't you know you can't play here i'll tell you this one i forget where we were but she was the nicest lady we're at a rest stop and i was playing the song there was a group of people in front of me and after I finish, I hear this soft voice. She's like, excuse me, sir. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. And I was like, what? And, uh, yeah, she told me they don't do solicitation. I'm like, well, I don't have my case out here. I, I'm not asking for money. I'm just literally playing. And she was like, yeah, but, you know, if my boss comes, I can get fired. Uh, yeah, and I was like, okay, I understand. I'll leave. And so when I got back in the car, I looked at the footage she walked up to me at the beginning of the song, let me finish the whole song, and then oh asked God, me to you? leave. Yeah, nice it was so nice. I was like, oh, my God. She really just gave me that moment. So were all, all, all of your experiences, were they like that? Or did you have like a juicy, because that's a juicy positive, like mm-hmm. kick out. Yeah, <laughs> did you have yeah, like yeah. A, a juicy negative kick out? No, nah, I that's didn't good. have that experience. Okay. Uh, that's good though. I mean, it makes it 
uh, safer. Yeah, <laughs> I had some people that trip. were annoyed, but like they I were just really agitated. Care. Yeah. Okay. He's like, "Why is this guy out here playing guitar?" Yeah. But I didn't care. Like, I mean, it makes sense. You like randomly popping up, but yeah. at the same time, it takes you know, it takes courage and initiative to to do that as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'd say my favorite stop, and there's these were all just random stops. We would see a sign, and it's like, oh, we've never been there. Let's go. Let's just go and play. So we went to the Arches National Park in Utah, and I hiked with my guitar on my back all the way up to the Delicate Arch. It wasn't like an intense hike or anything, but in 115-degree weather yeah. in the middle of summer, it gets oh, wow. hot. Yeah. That's crazy. So I went up there, played, and I thought people would be annoyed. No. And it, the... The landscape was sort of like an amphitheater because of the rocks, and it just amplified my voice. So the people a thousand feet away, uh, a thousand feet away, heard me, and they were like, "Oh my god, that sounds so good! Play and it again!" Like came up to you, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and then they asked me to play it again. Like the one song I did there the most actually was uh, "Not My Mistakes." That's the okay. name of it. Yeah, and they asked me to play that multiple times. So it's like, okay, you guys like this one. All right, I like saying that. Good I'll play to know, it again. yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, this is a great this is a great leeway into to our first, like, our warm-up topic for this episode because, I mean, it's, it's music-oriented, but not only that, the first question is focused on touring. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's, let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> okay. So touring locally around the country and the world can be different for indie artists when compared to record backed ones mm-hmm. uh let's discuss the process the experiences and lessons as we have both toured as artists and they've been in different ways though like very different ways like yeah. i have not done what you just mentioned yeah. plus like i'm as a as like more of a composer slash mm-hmm. like producer i can't just i mean i could pop up and start playing like piano or something right but like it or i could bring like huge speakers and just yeah. block down my yeah, music, yeah, right? yeah. but I haven't really done that. So I think we've already been kind of going into this question in the first place. But, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let, yeah, let's talk about some experiences, some lessons, I think, for aspiring musicians as well as, um, you know, indie artists out there who are just trying to get their work heard, seen, um, even, I guess, experienced. Uh, I think we, we can offer something for them. Yeah. I'd say the biggest advice is know why you're doing it. Okay. Like, know what your purpose for this tour is. Because there's so many discouraging moments where you just don't even feel like singing or feel like getting out of a car. Mm. But if you remember why you're doing it, that is enough. Besides, like, having a budget, which is really, really, really necessary. Yeah. Please have a budget, guys. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, you're saying that... You know, first have a ration, not just the rationale, not like a, mm-hmm. a, a just a logical reason in a sense, but even having just something that's going to drive you. Yeah, like emotionally. Yeah. Exactly, emotionally, like deep in the spirit. Know why you're doing this. Know why you're here on Earth. Mm. You know, and for me, my calling card is we are creators. That's what I believe. You know, I'm not sure if you're religious or anything, but like the first words in the Bible are in the beginning, God created. Right. In every church I've ever been to, they're like, oh, be more like God. Well, the first thing God did was create. Mm -hmm. So I'm here to create, you know, and I know the people that have made the biggest impact on my life probably didn't even know they made an impact on my life. 
and I want to be that for other people. And the way I do that is by taking the chances that most people are afraid to take. Mm. Like going out on this tour was possibly the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. It is the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life. You know, I yeah, had yeah. a vague plan. Actually, no, sorry. I had a very specific plan, right? I had all of my stops laid out. Boom. Had the budget. It's perfect. My friend helped me. Two days before I was leaving, she called me and was like, hey, I'm going to have to cancel. My parents aren't doing well. And I have a whole farm to look after. So I'm not going to be able to go. So bye. Yeah. Uh, good yeah. luck. Yeah. yeah. And I, I completely understand it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but for me, it was just like, oh, my God, what do I do now? Yeah. So I had to take a step back and look at the reasons why I no longer wanted to go. And I was like, all right, why don't I want to go? Why am I feeling this resistance? And it all boiled down to fear. And that fear was getting out and asking people, hey, can I play you a song? That was the most terrifying thing. And once I realized that that was where the fear was coming, it's like, that's the dumbest thing ever. I'm still going on this. So I was like, you know what? If I have to do it by myself, I'm going on this tour. So the day before I was about to leave, my friend Chasen called me. He was like, dude, I see you're going on this tour and I know you're going to end up in LA and then come back. And he was like, yo, look, I'm about to fly back to L.A., but I have all my camera equipment with me. He's a film producer. He's like, I have all this equipment with me. It would be awesome if I could just ride with you mm -hmm. if you have the room and then we'll just go for that. And I was yeah. like, yeah, that's actually perfect. So he ended up hopping in the car. I still had the plan. The first thing he says is, dude, I want to get a tattoo. My friend just got a job up in Jersey. I want him to give me my first tattoo. Do you want to go to Jersey? And I was thinking in my head, this is like a 12 hour, 13 yeah, hour out of the way. Audible, you're calling here, bro. Nah, I don't want to do it. But <laughs> I had to catch myself. And I was like, you know what? Yes, let's do it. Let's go. Let's go to Jersey. So I threw that whole plan that I had out of the window and just said yes to something that I didn't plan and didn't expect. And that one yes changed the whole trajectory of my life. The whole trajectory. Like, I probably wouldn't be living here if I didn't say yes to that one moment. So you're touring. I mean, taking from what you said, too, which is which I think it's a really... Uh it's a cool experience, it sounds like, as well. Mm -hmm. But the fact that, one, so you, you went with, with a mission, right? Yeah. Like a drive, like something driving you. Mm -hmm. um, two, you had a plan, but you were open to basically, like, going off that plan. Like, yeah. adding additional, going off it, you know, things changing, being open to what was happening to you. I mean, if you had been super stringent about, like, hey, I need to do this and do that, you mm -hmm. probably would not have enjoyed yourself. Yeah. I mean, you were, if you know, if it's just kind of how that personality you know works in that sense right when you yeah. have that mindset so it sounds like that was one of the reasons why you were successful too is because you one realized you had fear and you wanted to face it mm -hmm. but you couldn't have done that i'm assuming if you didn't have a reason to to do that and that reason was like originally what you said this is why i'm doing this yeah. is this more important than basically facing my fear or do i not face my fear to, mm -hmm. to, to do this thing right yeah. so you did that 
and then literally you're open-minded uh, let's you know let's just keep doing this and you have to be consistent with that that uh ideology it sounds like yeah you know like i have just continue to be open-minded continue to be open to these things happening and then look what happened you were able to go on this tour and do what you were doing exactly i mean it's interesting too because um even though I'm not a record backed, uh, record label backed artist as well, like mm-hmm. as a, I am right now, for me, and I've chosen to go the indie route with classical music as well as, um, you know, like pop fusion and, and what I do. Uh, for me, it was so different with touring. I didn't necessarily do like the indie songwriter, singer, acoustic route. And I would think about what's so interesting about the way you did it was that you basically went and did what I think a lot of singer songwriters do, but you did it in a more creative way. Like more innovative, you were like, and you hit a lot more spots probably because of it too. Yeah. Whereas for me, like I, I did that stringent plan where I set up, like I did mine in Europe, mm-hmm. and I traveled, set up my plan, and then basically had artists that I connect in each each country, like Czech, Czechoslovakia or Czech Republic, um, Greece, Italy, France, Spain, and just reach out to them since I have them uh, local artists sing my tracks. Yeah. And for me, it was just a matter of like showing up and basically like this is a venue we set up ahead of time. I think it was more. I want to say traditional in that sense, um, but I would have loved to do an experience like basically what you did. Yeah. Because I think I think when it comes to growth, I think they both have um, interesting things that you're going to learn. Of course, I mean touring mm-hmm. in any way, you're going to learn something. Uh, but I think the way you did it was like a more of a self journey as well too, because you had to like face your fears. You had to. Um, deal with certain personality traits that you had yeah. or mindsets that you had and to conquer or overcome or improve upon. Yeah. Would you agree? Oh my gosh. Yes. A hundred percent. Like it started out about the music and about creation. But what I realized is this was a journey about faith and overcoming fears because there was another moment when I was at the Delicate Arch and I played the guitar, everything was good, the video was beautiful. Then I wanted to walk up under the arch. That was terrifying. Mm-hmm. Looking down on both sides and it's like, if I slip, I'm gonna die. Yeah. And I tried my hardest and I didn't even realize that I was afraid of heights until I was up there. Mm-hmm. And I looked down, I tried my hardest to make it to the middle I couldn't do it. Little kids were running up there, like, doing cartwheels underneath it. And I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm so full of fear. I don't know why I can't walk underneath this. So we left. A couple days later, we are in the Grand Canyon. And I just had this thought. I was just like, you know what? I have to overcome this fear. So I tried to walk out to the edge of this ledge, and my body just shut down. And I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So I walked back. I tried it again. Still. Couldn't do it. And then I was like, you know what? Let me pay attention to what is going on when I'm trying to make this accomplishment, right? And the reason why I say accomplishment is because this metaphor could be used in any area of your life. Oh, yeah. And facing fear, though, is is an accomplishment. Yeah. So I took one step and then another and then another and then another. And I watched where my head was going. I was looking everywhere. I was thinking about all of the possibilities, the what if, what if I slip, what if I trip, what if I catch a cramp in my leg and I fall 7,000 feet down to my death, right? And then I was like, hold on, wait, 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 wait. 
So this whole time I'm trying to overcome this fear while I am just downloading all of this negative self-talk into my head. And I was like, let me try this approach. I stayed focused. I looked at the path that I needed to walk on. I kept my head down and I just looked step by step, step by step. I didn't look to my left. I didn't look to my right. Next thing I know, I'm standing at the edge. Mm-hmm. And I look down and I'm just like, oh, wow, I did it. Like, I'm here. And then it was just a rush of emotions and adrenaline. I sat down on the edge. I even took this crazy picture where it looks like I'm hanging off. There was a rock underneath me that I was standing on. Okay. But if I would have slipped, I definitely would have died. So it was still crazy. <laughs> yeah. But like I not only did I overcome the fear, but I celebrated in that victory by hanging off of that rock, by sitting on the edge of it taking pictures. And now I just don't have that fear anymore. Because I know exactly why I had that fear. Because I was paying attention to the things that I shouldn't have been. Well, it sounds like your emotional intelligence is... Uh, you were able to increase basically like your EQ, which is mm-hmm. like your muscle intelligence. So, I mean, beyond, because we have these these sometimes rational and sometimes irrational fears. Mm-hmm. And when you're able to, to use logic, you know, to overcome basically this that fear itself, you raise your IQ, your, your EQ. Yeah. And part of what holds many people back, whether it's in... Um, music or acting or business or entrepreneur or like whatever it could be. I mean, sports, everything is the fear of, of failure, mm-hmm. but then also sometimes achieving, yeah. you know, for a lot of people, they can achieve what they want to achieve. Like for example, what you just talked about, but they're afraid of doing so because there may, it basically what happens after that. It's, it's, it's a double-sided thing because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, what if you do achieve as an extreme example? What if you were to uh, become the best-selling artist in the world. I mean, that would be incredible. But where do you, where do you go from there? Yeah. And that sounds like a ridiculous fear, but like it's an act. Like people have these fears, but then also you flip back and like where where most people stand, which is, you know, I'm too afraid to even try to do this thing. Yeah. And I love that you were able to again like take that emotional intelligence, take that that uh, logical, rational, you know, thinking and, and analyze what's happening and what you're doing, and then apply that on hand as you were doing it. I mean, that focus, again, that productivity as personal growth, I think is exactly what I'm talking about. And I think it's cool because you were on this, this large tour, you know, that you created while doing it. Mm -hmm. And this whole experience is basically like, you know, it sounds like you growing as a person, as well as trying to get your music heard out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Man. And I'm just thinking about the origin of it. I was sitting at a rest stop it's the second rest stop on I-85 North in South Carolina coming from Atlanta. It's got a lake out there. And I just sit there and think, play my guitar. I've written so many songs at that rest stop. But this one day, I didn't walk down to the lake. I stayed in the car, and I didn't have my guitar. I saw so many people coming and going, coming and going. Mm-hmm. I stayed there for about an hour. And seriously about a hundred to two hundred people came and left like within that time period and I'm like man if I had my guitar I could just play for all of these people it's like I could put on my own show this was back in 2012 2013 when I had that idea and it's just been eating me internally just eating away I mean it's like do it do it do it do it do it so at the beginning of this year 
I almost gave up on everything artistically and got a job at Walmart Distribution. Went through that whole process. The guy said he didn't want to hire me because he thought I needed to be out living my dream, mm-hmm. right? And that's a whole other conversation that we could talk about if you want. But you know, I definitely want to talk about it. Actually, okay, it's a part of a good part of our second conversation. Oh, it's tight. Topic, yeah. Okay, well, I go through all of that, and I thought what I hit was rock bottom, but it wasn't a rock. It was a trampoline. I hit that bottom. And it just propelled me into doing everything that I've ever been afraid of. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go on tour this summer. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. I don't know where I'm going to go. But I know that I'm going to do it. And I told some people very close to me. Then I had this family, this mom asked me if I would teach your kids vocal lessons. I had no interest in teaching vocal lessons. But I met the kid, and I was like, oh, my God, he's amazing. He reminds me of me when I was younger. (laughs) So I was like, man, I really want to mentor him and just, like, make, uh, give him all of the tools so that he can be the absolute best that he can be as a vocalist. Mm -hmm. So I agreed ended up teaching his sister vocal lessons as well. And I told the mom about my idea for this tour. And I told her, I was like, yeah, I'm saving up. And she was like, oh, how much do you think you'll need? And I was just being very modest, thinking about the bare bones. And I was like, uh, about 3,500. And that's like sleeping in a motel or camping out, just gas and food. That's all I was thinking about. Mm. And she was like, well... I'd like to pay for it. And 3500 is too low. She was like, I'm going to give you five grand. Wow. Yeah. And she was like, I, it's just my way of saying thank you for helping my kids. I was just like, oh, my God. So I said yes to teaching these kids. And I get that blessing out of that. Yeah. You know, and it's just that saying yes. Saying yes to things that you would normally say no to. And why that's so important is because... Goal planning, right? We set these goals that we go after. We set the whole path. And if you stick to it, you'll get exactly what you want, right? But what if what you want isn't what is in your destiny? Mm -hmm. Saying yes to those moments where it will change your life. I feel like that's God's way of directing us into our true destiny. And I think you're you're also just focusing on too on, on the idea of just being open minded. Yeah. You know, we're taught I think a lot of us are taught to be I guess uh more hyper focused mm-hmm. on you know, we're we're we don't have a lot of time on this earth in a sense and mm-hmm. you know, we have to get certain things done to, to be productive in society. And so we spend a lot of our time trying to get to that point where we're like productive and we're safe and we're comfortable. And then we start doing things. A lot of people are like that. But I think, you know, in that process, you tend, I think, to not necessarily be that open minded because you're not necessarily exploring and doing and achieving and Mm -hmm. trying. But here, like you said, this is basically what you ended up doing. You went from from which we'll get more into uh, 
doing the nine to five job cycle, doing the, the regular, you know, uh, societal dictated life, and then going into, you know, really focusing on your music and exploring and pushing and going harder and being open minded and chasing fears and like doing this whole thing. And it sounds like you, you were a lot more fulfilled from that, which isn't something we're taught, which is not something we're, we're, it's, we're told to do. Mm-hmm. If anything, I think it's more so, um, not necessarily look, no, maybe maybe look down upon. I mean, mm-hmm. you you you've told me that several times. You were you were like people are like you're basically crazy. Yeah, like, are you serious? Crazy, yeah. right? And you know, I, I, like I said, I want to get into the conversation. So let's take a quick break, mm-hmm. and we will talk about this next topic, which which relates to to this exact situation we're talking about. And so we'll be right back on Smoke Macho. you ever think about trading stocks? I mean, you always could, but usually it was up to 10 bucks a trade. That adds up fast. With Robinhood, you can buy now with no trading fees ever. You'll get real-time market data when you need to know what you need to know and how to make an informed decision. This includes notifications when important stuff happens like a rise or drop in the market. Look at you, the power of the stock market in the palm of your hand. And you'll notice the details, the trends, even the slight shift in the wind. So sign up today at share.robinhood.com slash RonaldT65 and trade commission-free. Renting a car has never been better because renting through Turo equals no more shuttle rides, waiting in line, or boring cars. Get the car you've always wanted. Download the app today. Welcome back to Spill the Macho. This is RJ Tolson. We're here with Drake Murphy, singer, songwriter, and two-time Carolina Music Award winning artist for Best Rock and Roll Male. Okay, so I know we had a really great conversation about you know music experiences, touring. Let's talk about how music is used as a tool in our current society to invoke physical or societal changes. From Instagram and TikTok to award shows or festivals and TV and film, are we doing this to our full potential or are we limiting ourselves? And if so, how and why? And what are some of the, the changes we've experienced and, mm-hmm. and that we think other people could be doing through music? So I feel like there could be two different subtopics topics underneath one being the positive changes and effects and then the negative mm-hmm. you know True. I feel okay. like the negative is being more populated in the mainstream culture you know like uh, with hip hop being the number one genre in the world right now most of it is just so negative (laughs) you know it's just like dang I love hip hop I love rap I love the art of it I love the beats but it's just like damn I can't listen to that it gives me a headache it puts me in a negative place and I don't want to be there well when you mean negative do you mean like the the topics that they talk about like in each song like the theme of each song yeah yeah the themes of the song the word choices they use because words create actions mm-hmm. you know words create thoughts that create actions and that's uh, to answer the question on the negative side I'm very affected by that you know and 
I remember being in clubs back in the day when I was really into it and didn't really care about the uh, the topics as much. I was always more about, oh, this beat is dope. So Lil Scrappy back in the day. You remember Lil Scrappy? No. <laughs> oh, gosh. Like when Lil John was the biggest producer okay. in yeah. the world. I remember Lil It was John. just yeah. fight music. Like, oh, my God. Before Waka Flocka even, it was just fighting music in the club. Mm. And every single time they would play those songs, there would be a fight. Mm. It could be perfect before that. But then that song comes on. I would always clear the dance floor because somebody was going to fight. Yeah. Why? Because of the influence of the music. That's what it was about. And I remember being a little kid sitting on my dad's lap when he played the piano. And he would always ask me, he would play different chords. He was like, how does this make you feel? He would play this chord that sounded happy. And I'd be like, oh, that's happy. And then he'd tell me that's a major chord. Mm. And then play another one. And it was like, oh, that's weird. It makes me feel like something's around the corner about to get me. And he's like, oh, that's a diminished chord. And augmented and minor yeah. and all of this and that. And then he'd change the keys and play the exact same chords. And they made me feel the same way, no matter what key it's in. So it's like not knowing the name of the chord but knowing how it makes me feel it's that's so powerful well it's interesting too 100% and i think mm-hmm. it's interesting that you're saying when i look at when i've heard from like non artists when they listen to music like people who aren't musicians or singers um oftentimes it's okay well I'll we'll listen to a song and I'll be I'll hear the lyrics. Yeah. I don't mean like just hear. I'll listen to the lyrics. Like I'll know word by word what they're saying. You know, unless it's a like super fast rap song. Mm. You know, most of the time yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll know word by word what they're saying, and I'll be I'll like turn over and be like, hey, like did you did you hear that? Like did you hear what this uh, artist or this singer said? And they're or, uh, saying, and they're like, oh no, what they say? I'm like, but you just. You listen to the same exact song that I did. You didn't hear it. Like, no, I just like listen to like kind of just listen to the song. I'm like, uh, okay. And what's interesting, I think, is that people don't realize how much of an influence a lot of times music has on them. Yeah. And I think it's cool. You brought up the negative side of things, which I hadn't even thought of. Mm -hmm. When you're talking about like, I think the easiest analogy, right, is is film and TV. Yeah. And if you even just go back like 80 years ago or whatever, 60, 70 years ago with like um, silent film, right? Imagine watching nowadays, like us going back and like looking at a silent film. The entire time we're, we're probably just going to be talking. Yeah. Like what's happening? You know, wow, this is what we're just commenting. Yeah. Because for us, like having a movie, like a, the majority or the entire movie without any sound would be odd, I think. Mm-hmm. At least for me, without just how much content I watch that has just sound. Yeah. Um, whereas now we use it as like a powerful moment. Mm-hmm. When there is no sound, you know something's going to happen or it's, you know, whatever in, in that moment. It's, it's it's on purpose. And then when you jump forward a little bit and you go to film and TV where there's like, okay, it started to have music, sound dictates everything. Oh, my god! And it still does. Yes. It's a follow-up, I mean, in terms of the production process, but it dictates how you feel mm-hmm. within the the, the, um, the visual context. Yes, you're, you're watching it, but the music is how you should feel. Yeah. You know, if there's... If there's if you're watching Jason Voorhees or Freddy Krueger and they're coming after you and it's like dun 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 or Jaws or whatever it's gonna be yeah. like dun dun yeah. right all of that is dictating how you're supposed to feel so I 100% agree and when you think about music from that time period and you're talking about that it makes sense that people would 
be inclined to get in fights or do these things because music is powerful and it do, it can influence people and in how they feel and what they're gonna do. Yes, especially if they're not aware of that. Which, I think that's the most dangerous. Like the the people who like myself, I don't really listen to the music or the lyrics the first few times I listen to the song. Mm -hmm. I'm just all about the music, mm -hmm. right? But it's these things that the subconscious is picking up. It's so much better. And this is just an opinion, I guess, but it's a strong opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much better if you are consciously listening to the words in the song. That way you can filter out what what you agree with and what you disagree. I, I, I agree. I think... Okay, so from my... <laughs> I love that you just said this is a strong opinion. Uh, <laughs> for, I, I found that interesting because you mentioned, too, that like sometimes like for the first couple of... Uh, try, at times you listen to a song, you may not really actively listen to the lyrics. What, what's interesting is maybe because, and you came from like a classical background too, though. Yeah. But for me, like, you know, I came from jazz and classic classical music. So like originally, and that's what I created first. So when I, I think because like I love soundtrack music, like it's if I had to to choose to listen to one genre for the rest of my life, I would either choose jazz, like the broad genre of jazz, or mm -hmm. I would choose soundtrack classical classical music as a whole which includes soundtrack music yeah. so for me like when i want to feel or i'm just i don't want words i listen to those two genres it mm. depends on like if i want to be more energetic which is jazz for me yeah. or if i want to be really mellow or um focused it's more classical mm -hmm. so when i hop over to pop though or rap or any anything with lyrics i think because now there's there's words and it's like so different to me. I like hyper actively listen to the lyrics from the get go. That's and so, cool. but if I were, but if I did, like, and I've done what, of course, I've, I've not always done that. But when mm -hmm. I think back to like what you're saying, basically, where the first couple times, I think that's where you gauge how this song makes you feel. Mm -hmm. Right. So, like, I'm trying to think of, of a song more recently. Um, do you remember the reggae pop song that came out like five or six years ago? Um, it was like a reggae pop fusion. And it, um, the cheerleader song cheerleader it was more like married it's something about getting married like um it was so popular it was on the radio like five years ago and mm -hmm. it was like the only reggae-esque song that's been on the radio for a long time like top 100 getting married i can't remember i can't <laughs> the point is like basically with that song it was it made people feel good and chill mm. like and at the time, though, think about the kind of songs that are on the top 100. They're either, like, party house um, or rap. Yeah. That's kind of, like, the majority of it. Or, like, a really sad song. And this was, like, reggae, which is, I think, generally pretty chill and easygoing and upbeat as well, too. And, yeah. that, like, people really related to that. They wanted to feel that way. And so that song got to top 100 and was there for, I don't know, probably a couple months. Wow. You know, in that time period for yeah. for weeks. I'll have, to, I'll have to remember what it was. But I, but again, back to, to the idea of listening and feeling from that and, imp and the impact that it has, both negatively and positively as well, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of crazy that people got in fights in the club and didn't, you know, in a sense, just because, not necessarily because of a song, but it was probably heightened. Oh, yeah. You know? It's the power of suggestion. Yeah. I mean, if they're blasting this song, it's like... If I see you in the club and you know you get after like all of that is just pumping in your mind, it's gonna bring up everything. And then you see somebody you don't like or somebody steps on your shoe and you don't like it, 
you're more inclined to fight yeah, if you're already yeah. in that mindset. Yeah. You know, very true. Yeah. So, you know, beyond, beyond, uh, you know, the club (laughs) in the club, uh, you know, how, how do you think music has, how, how, you know, even on your tour, but, you know, specifically, I know we talked about, uh, when we first met how your, your, uh, a potential boss, you were applying to a job and the potential boss is the one who persuaded you. And, Mm. but the only reason that that happened was because first of all, you were, you were genuine with him mm-hmm. because you meant, and you can tell the story, but you were genuine with him and you told him that you, you know, you were a musician, you were an artist and he heard you. And because of the music, because of what he heard from you, you know, mm-hmm. that's what was the catalyst. I mean, he heard, if he hadn't heard you, if you didn't have the music thing, you would, you may even be I'd back there right be now. boxes. Right? Yeah. So it was the music too that even influenced him as well. But here, why don't you tell that, that story? Oh man, so it's a, a deep, deep, deep s- story. But in short, <laughs> I was dating this girl. I thought she was the one. I'm a hopeless romantic man. I love to love. So it's Most like. Most of your songs are. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> so it's like, oh man, I love this girl. She was awesome. We just weren't right for each other. Like in hindsight, I can appreciate that. But um, just. Before I say that, I'll just explain the type of man I am. I'm very spontaneous, hence the tour. Just pick it up and leave it, mm-hmm. right? I love to take chances, but I'm affected by words. I'm affected by words deeply. You know, I took the five love languages test, and my number one is words of affirmation. Mm -hmm. You know, so when I'm not getting that in a relationship, I feel inadequate, you know. And I know that that's something that deals with me and only me, that I have to work out. But in a relationship, or in that relationship, I wasn't getting that. You know, in the beginning it was when everything was new, but that affirmation stopped coming in, and I started to feel less than And it made me more dependent on her for acceptance, which is a very dangerous place. Yes. Because then you can be controlled and manipulated by that person, which I was. And I don't even think she meant to do it. Right. But she was like, oh, I want stability. And I'm like, well, I'm doing music and I'm making money. What do you mean? And Oh, what if your clients choose to go elsewhere? You just don't want to do music anymore i feel like you need something more stable and i was just like what is this she's like well if we're gonna be together that's what i need mm-hmm. so i was just like damn it all right i am getting older blah 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 fear talk <laughs> fear talk yeah, yeah. and then i was just like okay i'll get a job i talked to one of my friends and uh he works at walmart distribution and he was like dude i can get you a job here you know it's cold whatever you know he's a phenomenal musician by the way also okay yeah my friend rocky shout out rocky i love you bro but um <laughs> I, so that whole situation he brought me in told the guy hire me so i already had a shoe in mm-hmm. i go in the hiring manager manager was named ephraim i'll never forget him i go in he looks at me he's like something's different about you what's different like I'm a musician I guess I don't know and he was like man do you know how many people come through these doors and tell me they do music he's like you know what let me hear something let me hear something so I played him a record 
And about 30 seconds in, he stops and he was like, yo, like, you're actually a musician. <laughs> He's like, I thought you would just rap. Like, nah, is that you playing the music? I'm yeah, like, you're not a sidecar. Yeah, rapper. exactly. <laughs> and so he was like, why do you want to work here? It's like, my girlfriend needs this thing they call stability. <laughs> and it was just like, uh, I don't think you need to be working here, but I mean, we can go through with the process if that's what you want. And I was like, yeah, let me go ahead. So I went through with the application, came back, did the physical test because I would have to lift boxes from 4.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. with one 20-minute lunch break. I can't listen to any music in my headphones, nothing. I can't even have my phone near me. All I'd be doing all day is lifting boxes and wow. putting them on a truck. Yeah. So I went through that. And respect to people who do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's just not the life for me. I can't no. do it. You know, I went through and I had to take a drug test. Right. And I don't, I don't really smoke like that, but I had smoked. And uh, he was supposed to call me on a certain day. He didn't call me. And then, like, two days later, he called me. And I thought I didn't get the job. I was like, damn, I must have failed the, the P test. <laughs> and I, he called me. It was, nine, it was like 9.20 a.m. I was in the studio. And he was like, hey, this is Ephraim just calling to tell you that you got the job. And, uh, and I was like, okay, cool. And he was like, but personally... I don't ever want you to see me again. It was a very specific wording. He said, I don't want you to ever see me again. And I was like, that's weird. That's an odd choice of words. What do you mean? He was like, well, either way, I'm going to see you. Either you'll be here tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. And I'll see you then. Or you can decline the job and go live and go do your music because that's what you need to be doing. And I'll see you on TV. He was like, so which way do you want me to see you? And I was like, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I, you can see me on TV, man. He was like, good, glad to hear it. Yeah. Bye. And hung up. Just that one short conversation, man, changed my life. It changed my life because I was about to just throw everything away, lift boxes and Oh my god. But I, think about it too if you had if you that that I mean even even beyond just like you being genuine about like the whole musician thing and then mm -hmm. him you know I mean cuz you could have done it and said like oh you, you if you're really trying to get the job you could have just been like oh no I'm not special. Yeah. You know cuz that's what you that's what you do yeah. to get those jobs you're when, right. to a yeah, certain yeah, degree yeah, right yeah, you, yeah. they want people who don't have you know a necessary drive and who are going to be leaving the company and the job and mm -hmm. all that. And luckily you got this guy who cared but at the same time if you had if you hadn't done the work beforehand like pursued, pushed through, um, yeah. you know, you wouldn't have had something to show him to, to even have that happen as well too. Like it was meant to happen to that degree. I mean, think about it like in that way, like again, if you hadn't worked, if you hadn't done this stuff beforehand, mm -hmm. you would have nothing to show that guy. And that guy would have been like, maybe he heard your voice and he'd be like, okay, cool. And maybe you'd still be there. Yeah, you're right. right? I never thought about it like that. Wow. And that music that you that you created before, the effort, the time that you put in, it was done for a reason. Mm. And not just one because, you know, you are that person, yeah. but but two, to, to help you see that you are that person yeah. later on, right? 
And I mean, whether you, you know, you may say it's God for me, I, I'm, I'm just going to say it was, it was meant to be uh-huh. like, that's just how the world, the world luckily works to a certain degree is luck. Mm-hmm. Like there is, there is a certain degree of luck in, in my mind for how it works. But again, like you put in that effort, you, you were lucky to not have been put in a direction, I think that you would have been unhappy with, which is yeah. going that direction. And your girlfriend who you were talking about at the time, you even, you even said yourself, but recognizing that you guys weren't meant for each other. I mean, if you people can compromise and and love I love that you brought up love languages because it's one of my favorite books um but if your love languages if you can't compromise right with both because there's expressing and then there's like inward right Mm -hmm. so your inward is is words of affirmation now your expressing is probably going to be the same to start with because that's how we usually treat people that's how we want to be treated to a certain degree but it sounds like she needed something else and you needed something else. Mm-hmm. And that there may or may not have been a compromise. And obviously we know now that there wasn't a compromise. It yeah. just wasn't going to work. Yeah. Right? But again, like look at where you are now. And I mean, you're still young. Yeah. <laughs> you're still, you're working hard. You're making things happen. You've had success. I, we met at Sunday Sessions. Yeah. Um, shout out to Obegeliaku uh, and for setting that up. And, you know, I know that you have talent. I've seen it too as well. And it's it's been shown. And it's just a matter of time, I think, with the, the drive and the effort that you, you have to do that. But at the same time, again, what's so cool about it is that music has been at the core of everything that we've been talking about. And from from the negative, like like mm-hmm. people in the club, to, to as you've been touring. Yeah. Um, I mean, that woman you mentioned earlier who, when you were in Utah, maybe, where was, where was that? Oh, my gosh. That was... That no, that was East Coast because uh, okay. that was before we got to New York. So it was probably Virginia. Oh, okay. Maybe. It was Virginia. Yeah. Okay. My home state. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, you know, she, she paused and let you do that one song. Yeah. And she obviously didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. But... The fact that she, again, like, was influenced by, you know, who knows what her life was like. She could have been a musician. She could have been trying to do something. She could have, whatever it was, right? Yeah. But there's that influence there. Yeah. I think that's what's so cool cool about music as a whole is that it has the power to influence people mm-hmm. from good to bad to, to just neutral, whatever, right? Yeah. And I think, you know, going back just to the topic, too, it's like, I'm not sure if we're necessarily doing that with music as much as we could be you know if you think about it, like tiktok and instagram mm-hmm. right tiktok music is always in the background and people are like lip singing and doing but is that really impacting people like you may get a laugh yeah. but is it from the music that you're getting a laugh or is it from like the acting and the visual yeah you know more so from what i've seen tiktok it's more about the visual and like the acting like you have like mm-hmm. you know this hardcore rapper and then you have like a, a, a young 16 year old girl for example lip singing the song and doing something funny and that's yeah. like what it's more about instagram it's like okay i'm gonna have music accompanying what i'm doing but mm-hmm. most people aren't cinematographers and having like incredible moments in doing that yeah. right there isn't necessarily from at least from my perspective something where music is really we're, we're using music to really influence people like let's just say positively to a, to a high level or a degree mm-hmm. do you feel the same like i mean there's there's is there an app? Is there something? I'm not really sure where we're influencing people through our music beyond just the traditional like performance. I'll go back to the feeling that I felt when I heard the chords when I was a kid. If we could be more intentional in what we want to get out when we create music, I feel like the world would be a much better place, right? I think about 
meditations. I meditate not as much as I should, but I do. And whenever I do, I listen to meditation music. I'll just look it up on YouTube and find something very peaceful. Those chords are always major chords, you know? And it's just this ambiance that those chords create, and it just mellows me out. And it puts me in a place of being able to accept anything that comes my way because I'm just mellowed out. Right. So if I'm meditating and a negative thought comes into my head, I'm able to deal with it from a positive place. Mm -hmm. And what if everyone in the world, well, not everyone in the world, but (laughs) the creators of, of popular music, I should say, was more intentional with why we're creating what we create, you know, and have a clear message of what we're trying to get across and the reason why I say that is because as a producer I make money selling beats to people what I've stopped doing is letting just anybody get on my beats Mm. you know if I create this beautiful piece of art and somebody gets on it and just talks about how he wants to have sex with a girl 10 different ways and then shoot somebody who looks at him wrong I'm not going to work with him yeah, you know, like yeah, that'll make a lot of money in popular music, but no, I, I want nothing to do with that. You yeah. know, like that is totally against what I stand for. I stand for creation. That is what I want to do: create, not destroy. You know, and whenever I create my music, that's what I want to do. I want I create my music to create an atmosphere for the listener. Mm-hmm. Whatever that might be. And all my songs aren't happy. You know, I, like the Six Romans album. That is, it sounds like some aggressive, male testosterone-driven madness on some of the records, right? Mm-hmm. But the underlying message is creating the best possible version of myself. Well, and I think that people don't have, you don't have to, like, we're not even saying... Yeah, I don't think we've been saying that like music has to have a pot like has to be positive. Mm-hmm. But I think whether your music is, you know, let's go to the beach to, you know, I'm going to shoot someone in whatever, right? <laughs> in the face. In the fa- in the <laughs> face, sure. You know, uh-huh. I think it's a matter of like is your is it the result, the end result going to be a positive thing? So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a song I love called um, you know, my uh, goodbyes. And it's about having a loved one basically pass away. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. It's like a really, it's just, it's mostly acoustic and it's a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. It's not a positive, like I don't, I, it doesn't make you feel good from like th- what the theme is. Yeah. But it makes you feel good if you've lost someone because you are able to relate to someone. Yeah. You're not alone, right? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, even though the, the theme, it's not like you're upbeat and just like, it's like hello good from No Doubt or, you know, yeah. songs that are just chill or cool or upbeat. It's instead, it's something that you can relate to. So it still has that positive effect. And I think that like even with Six Romans, like you were talking about, there are going to be people who relate to your music. Yeah. And I think that's where that positivity comes from. Hopefully mm-hmm. people aren't relating to people shooting other people in the face. Yeah. Like, that's not something I want people doing if if so i want less of that actually Mm -hmm. but i think what you know even in the testament to this musically um you know pop culture like the big artists as i think you mentioned all the times where music has been on purpose like it's been a purpose to influence people positively have have been like a big thing 
Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's a big thing, like, for example, Michael Jackson, he had, like, two songs, I think, where he, like, had 15 or 20 people come together, you know, like, huge artists. You know those, like, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, those, like, yeah. big jumbo the songs? We are the world. Yeah, yeah we are the world, yeah. yeah. Like, and the fact that that's, like, has to be a big thing instead of just being, like, if it was done consistently, it wouldn't be a big thing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, because it's a big thing, I think that's like a problem. We should it should be just be something that people do and how they view and 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 use music to to affect the world positively. I mean, mm-hmm. um, I know like do you remember the song Waka Waka? It was yeah, yeah, for the Waka, World Waka, Cup. Waka, yeah, hey, with Shakira. Hey, hey, yeah, like that's that was a cool like it's cool for what it was and uh-huh. it was upbeat and it was different. But those shouldn't be like this rarity that happens because there's a World Cup. Or, and in, in, in reference to Waka Waka, I think it's like diversity. Like, it's a different kind of music. We're hearing we're hearing different beats than we normally would. Like, that open-mindedness should already be promoted on the regular. Yeah. You know, and same thing when it comes to, like, we are the world type stuff. Like, it should be a regular occurrence, I think, that music, again, is influencing people positively from, again, just relating to them or to actually just positive messages or whatever it's going to be. Yeah. When you're vulnerable, that means leaving nothing on the table. Turning over every single stone, even the ones that you don't want to touch on. Mm -hmm. Because think about how stifled your creativity would be if you were afraid to talk about certain subjects. You know, we all have past traumas. We all have pain. But when you're emotionally available to talk about those things... Oh my God! It just gives you such a plethora of of uh, topics, yeah. You know, and different conversations yeah. that could be had. And I've learned to be extremely comfortable in vulnerability, and that has been the biggest blessing of my life because now I can join conversations that I normally wouldn't have in the past, and I can write about certain things, and I just don't feel anything holding me back and the thing that used to hold me back was fear of speaking on certain topics now it's just like yo i am who i am and it is what it is so i'm gonna say what i need to say i don't think and i don't think people can have i don't think the people who aren't doing that can have these kinds of conversations genuinely exactly like you you brought up earlier in this podcast you brought up in this episode you talked about your fear and you literally walked through how you're like, I'm afraid. I didn't even realize I was afraid of heights. And you went yeah. through it. Like you didn't even, even question like bringing at least like, uh, verbally question, even bringing up this fear. Mm-hmm. Part of it in society is like, you're not supposed to talk about what you're afraid of. Okay. Like you're not supposed to talk about your fears. Cause that makes you like a coward. That yeah, makes you, you gotta be the less of a man. Strong guy. Or, yeah, right? yeah. Especially for men, I think as well too. But I, I think for women generally as well, mm-hmm. like, as humans, like we're not, we don't like talking about our fears or we're taught to not talk about them. Right. Yeah. And you can't have, and and then beyond that, it's being honest and being genuine. You can't have these kinds of conversations to the full extent if you don't have two genuine or multiple genuine people together, because you're going to, one person's going to be holding things back yeah, and you're going to be missing out. And I've, I've spent, I'd say the last four years, three, three years, I've, I realized that too, like, you know, being 26 now, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, do I want to hang around people who, yeah, I have, I have friends who are successful and who have done things and it's really cool what they've done, but 
just because they've done stuff doesn't mean I want to hang out with them. I want to hang out with people who I can have these kinds of conversations. That's the whole point of this podcast, right? Is taking taking these kinds of conversations and getting lessons and advice and tips from them Mm -hmm. and learning from each other's experiences. And you can't have these without being genuine, without being honest. If you're defensive, if you're... um, you know, not able to, to be honest with yourself and say, Mm -hmm. Hey, like maybe I made some mistakes back then, or maybe this wasn't right for me. Like you mentioned with your girlfriend, Mm -hmm. Hey, like this just, this wasn't something that was going to, like we weren't meant to be like those on those honest, um, statements about your life and who you are as a person and where you were, that's how you can live a life that's genuine and have conversations worth having. Yeah. You know? And you know, bringing up the whole ex-girlfriend thing, (laughs) it's like, Back in the day, I probably would have bashed her or thought, oh, she might hear this, so let me throw some shade. No, it's not about that. You know, <laughs> like, when we broke up, I recognized that I had a choice. I could either follow the same path that I've always followed and just point the finger and say, she did this to me, she made me feel this way, or I could take a good look at myself myself, and say, damn, all of my relationships have ended like this. I am the common denominator. I need to fix me because I want something real. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where I am now. And that's what opened me up to being able to have these conversations. If we tried to have this conversation even a year ago from today, I probably wouldn't have been able to really have that because I was so emotionally unavailable, Mm. you know? And it took, oh my gosh, my friend told me this and I kind of want to get it tatted on me. He said, the good thing about a heartbreak is it cracks open your heart. And I'm paraphrasing. It was like, (laughs) when you get your heart broken, it cracks open so everything that's inside can come out Mm. because there's so much creativity that happens from heartbreak. You know, and it forces you to take a good look in the mirror. And if you try to ignore that mirror, then you run into a brick wall every single time. And you're like, oh, let me go out here and be a dog. And you're just searching for love in someone else's bed, you know, and just faking. <laughs> you're such love. a romantic. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> but it's like, it's like you're faking this love thing for a brief moment mm-hmm. and you're in it. And then, like, God forbid, you get stone cold. I was stone cold at, a, at at one point in my life where I just felt absolutely nothing. And I didn't want to feel anything. Yeah. And I thought I was okay. But really, I was this broken little boy that just had never healed from past traumas. You know? And I thought that, oh, that's what a man is. Go out here and see how many notches I can get on my belt. How many girls can I have when I had an amazing girlfriend? But at the same time, that wasn't enough because I didn't have hoes on the side. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, that whole mentality is just so stupid. And I love our generation and the direction we're headed in because it's so healthy. You know, mental health, especially in the black community, has always been shunned. And it's like, oh, no, we don't go to the shrink. We don't do this. We don't do that. You know, old people, oh, just no, pray. Yeah, God, right. will, God will take care of it. And yeah. all this and that. But what if you break your arm? Are you just going to pray and God's going to come down and fix your arm? No, go to the doctor, stupid. 
it's the same thing. Well, and, 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 and that's definitely, I feel, and I 100% agree with that. Like, culturally, <laughs> that's even something I've experienced as well, too. Like, you know, it's, I think the idea is, like, we come with these really old traditional ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. And it's not until the last, like, 30 years of, like, a huge technology boom that mm-hmm. we've been so interconnected as people. Like, yeah. you can you can talk right now. We could we could Skype, FaceTime, whatever, with our family across the world. We can meet people who we, we never would have met before. We can see them and talk to them and hear, right? Listen, like, Spotify, streaming, all of that stuff, right? Yeah. So those, those mentalities... Those people, like, you know, the whole okay boomer phrase, like, you know, mm-hmm. all of that, like, that mentality, they, they grew up in a time where, you know, they didn't even have, like, my grandfather's 91. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't have a refrigerator when he was, like, 15. Like, that's only, like, 10 years younger than me. He didn't yeah. have a refrigerator, right? Like, he was he was 15 in 1944, I think. Mm-hmm. So, or no, 1943, which is when Pearl Harbor was hit. Wow. Again, like, it... Think about like these people, and then the the guy running our country right now. He was also he's a baby boomer. He's like the older baby boomer. So he was mm-hmm. he was running. He, he doesn't even know probably properly how to use like phone technology. Probably. Yeah. And my point is like people like that, like they're 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 in their ways. And part of that societal thing is that being in your way was like part of like what you should do. Like mm-hmm. this is just how we did. We, we've always done things, yeah. and that's the way we should. Yeah. But I think about it like the, even if you go back even farther to like the, as a note, like to the Incas, mm-hmm. the Incas and the Aztecs. I mean, they used to sacrifice people. They'd kill like fourteen-year-old girl like virgins because they thought it was like what they should be doing. I mean, I and I get like you know again, the, this is hundreds of years ago, mm-hmm. but you think someone didn't come up to them and go like. Hey guys, like, you know, I don't want my daughter or my son to die. Yeah. Like, do you? And they're like, no. Why are you doing this? Uh, because this is what we've always done. Yeah. What? It makes what? No sense. I didn't have a child just to let them be sacrificed. Yeah. I mean, but that's their mentality. That's the way that you, even if they were born into that, there was someone or a series of people who eventually said, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. And then that phrase comes up, right? But here's the thing. We have, we're interconnected now. So if you go and say that phrase online, you're going to get destroyed. Yeah, you have some people who support it, but that's that point you get varying degrees. Now it's like we are connected. You can't just be like, oh, well, there's the doctor. You know, I, 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 we have one doctor in this small town. Your arm's broken. Um, you shouldn't go see him because like I can pray it away. Yeah. Right. No, like we can, you can Google it. Exactly. Google it, man. Like Google exactly. what's happening and it's going to make a lot more sense. Now I'm not saying religion doesn't work or anything. I'm just saying in reference to you know, the interconnectedness, mm-hmm. right? And that, that it's funny too, because, um, the second episode of this podcast is about masculinity mm-hmm. and you were talking about that, how like, you know, not just on the belt. I mean, man, high school for me, it was that like it was, I was a bro. So the part yeah. of that bro culture is like just constantly talking about girls yeah. and what you need to do. And then everything <laughs> is like, Oh, you don't have a girlfriend or you're not, you're not like with this girl. Like you need to get another one. And like, yeah. oh, what's happening, man? Like, Oh, what's like, that's the entire entire thing and we're not we're not ever taught emotional intelligence mm-hmm. like why do you feel the way you do why is this why like, mm-hmm. you know hey just so you know you're the the you're gonna find people who are like your parents the majority of the time because you probably have unsettled things with your parents or with your family members and what your body and your mind does love languages relates to this is find people you find someone that you can fix those problems with your body your mind wants to get you someone that like you have another chance because now you're not you're not with your parents wow. anymore, right? No. Yeah. So yeah, you're not living with your parents. Uh-huh. So how else are you how are you gonna fix those problems? You're not yeah. gonna have a chance. So you find people who have these traits. 
And it's oftentimes why people go like, wow, you're a lot like my mom or you're a lot mm. like my dad or whoever because you're starting because that's they're similar. Yeah. They're different, but they're similar. And the idea, though, is that your brain goes, I have these subconscious problems. I need to fix them to be better. And that's why you find people who have similar issues that you grow, dealt with probably growing up. Most people do. And most people never get through those issues. Mm. That's why we have a 50% divorce rate. Because you have the second phase of relationships, which is yeah. uh, the, the um, not the rom- not romance phase, but the second one where basically it's like uh, trying to figure each other out, not accepting each other, that whole yeah. thing, right? Yeah. And that's why people don't get by that. But, you know, it's all about, you know, keeping in mind going back <laughs> to the music stuff, it's all about influence. Yeah. And if your influence is is guiding you to, to think, to feel, to be a certain way and that's not positive, then you should start analyzing that like you did. And taking that and looking at, okay, what am I fearful of? Because most of it starts from fear. Yep. You know something's wrong if you're not happy. Like, that should be the base to start with, right? If you're not happy, you need to look at your life and, and figure out a way to help you be happy. Dude, that's so simple. It, it, that is so simple, but it's, it's so, so hard. profound. But it's hard, too, for a lot yeah. of people, right? Yeah. It's simple. And people, but we, I think... To a certain extent, I think we all know this. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, you're like, like literally, like I said, my the second episode of this podcast, uh, our guest Cody said mm-hmm. this. He's like, I'm unhappy with how I look. I'm unhappy with how I feel. I hate. Like I had my job. I had money. I had this. I'm unhappy. You were gonna go to work at Walmart. You were yeah. not gonna be happy there. Yeah. Right. I mean, who who is happy lifting boxes? I'm just saying. Maybe yeah. there there are people. I'm sure someone who's happy with that job, and I understand that. But to a certain degree, it's like. In your case, there's no way you were going to be happy, but yet you were going in that direction anyway. Oh my God. Somehow our society is built around that <laughs> rather than like, here's this guy who has talent, who makes people feel good and positive and has a po- great influence on them and can help other people as a catalyst. And yet we're putting him in, you know, in a store to, to lift and, and carry boxes. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. And the whole thing, the whole reason why I was doing that was trying to find happiness through someone else well you were you weren't even really finding happiness you were trying to fulfill her happiness right exactly you thought if you made her happy you would be happier yeah but that's not how that works it's Mm -mm. a 50 50 you got to meet the bridge oh my gosh that is so true because what was she doing in that regard to to really help you in in the way that you needed to be helped it's got to be at least i believe it you got to be a team oh 100 100 there's something that i wanted to touch on when you were explaining technology in our generation and how we're so vastly different than the generation before us. Have you heard of the uh, the phrase, and I might say it wrong, but you're standing too close to the elephant to know that it's an elephant? No. Okay, so... Because it's so big that... You know, yeah, you it's like the elephant is huge, right? Yeah. And when you're totally engulfed in the situation that you're in, you're basically having your nose up against that elephant just so close yeah. that you can't even tell it's an elephant. And you can't see the bigger picture. Yeah. yeah. And your whole community, the people that you've grown up around, the people that you love, are standing right there next to you looking at this gray thing, not knowing what it is, and then you make up this idea and then here comes somebody like, hey, what are y'all doing, like, standing up to that elephant? And you're like, oh, it's not an elephant. And they're like, take a couple steps back and look at it. It's definitely an elephant. That's what the Internet has done for us. It's allowed people that aren't in our immediate circles to come in and tell us a different perspective. I'm going to use that analogy. That's, that is a fantastic <laughs> analogy. 
and what's so great about that is if you remember in our original when we first met mm -hmm. we were talking about like you were you basically said to me like wow look this like you have this huge like macro vision yeah and i was talking we, we talked about that and that's like that idea that you're talking about basically like i love that analogy being so close to the elephant that you're not able to really back up and see the people don't do that yeah and that is the average person mm -hmm. that's you know um i have a friend who whose parents are uh you know they're comfortable they make good money they don't really need they don't really they haven't achieved their dreams but or even tried but they're just you know okay with just being okay and for them when their uh son started to achieve basically mm -hmm. like they were like oh why are you doing that like why would you why would you do that like and they don't they don't see the bigger picture they're like oh wow you could be making so much more money you could be so much happier they're not able to see that macro vision because yeah. they're stuck in their micro and they always have been and so when you come along to people who you have like steve jobs you have elon musk you have like the large the greats but mm -hmm. then you have like on the smaller scale as well too you have people who see that macro vision and we're not the problem with that for me is that we're not told that that's a good thing you know we're oftentimes told that's you're crazy like oh, why gosh. are you doing that like oh my like there's there's almost no way there's no way you're gonna be able to do that and that's that mm. comes from i think two things one insecurity from them yeah. because they weren't able to do that or uh -huh. they don't believe they can oh, do it God. right yes and if they're your parents for example then they're they're like wow you're well you're but you're my child like yeah. how would you you know yeah and the other the other part of it too is like again they're just not able to see like this is what this could be yeah and the, here are steps now and that's mm -hmm. what's great about the internet it's it's the fact that now there are steps so and all you have to do is type it in google or type it into a search engine and go how do i fill in the blank yeah right if you want to publish your music for the first time how do you do it google it exactly. there's there's thousands millions of tutorials now to do it in in in, in any way from streaming to physical to cds to whatever you mm -hmm. want to do same with books same with starting a company same with i mean man if you want to build a car you can go on youtube i taught myself uh stick shift how to drive stick shift really from youtube when i was no in, in 2011 ah. yeah, when i was in college i was buying a car and literally i did not know how to drive stick shift mm -hmm. so i had two days before i was like going to pick up the car taught myself like shadowed it and then mm -hmm. taught myself from watching youtube like there is since i did that there was like no excuse oh of my like gosh. i hate when people are like well i have no idea how to, and i'm like Oh, Are we in 2019? <laughs> no, I know. Is this 2019? Like, do you have do you have a f smartphone? Like, you can you either can Google it, you can find someone to help you, yeah. you can hire someone to help you, you can meet up it. Like, you can literally mm -hmm. go, on, go to a meetup. I mean, it's just it's all there. Yeah, you know, and yet people don't don't take those necessary steps to to like like you said, back up from that elephant mm -hmm. and see the bigger picture, and then start trying to to achieve. Yeah, I feel like the people who are like uh, visually in my mind when you were saying that I see three different people right I see the complacent man sitting in a lawn chair up against the elephant sipping a Bud Light or whatever mm -hmm. just relaxing yeah. thinking perfect, oh perfect life choice. is good yep. life is great but then there's the curious man that's standing up up against the elephant and realizes that Oh, I have legs. I can move. I can walk to the left. I can walk to the right. But everything still feels the same, right? And then the what can I call the last guy? The courageous man that takes a step back and sees it for the bigger picture. Yeah, I call it the innovator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're looking at things 
differently than other people did before. And, mm-hmm. and we're luckily going into a culture, I think, as millennials come to be, where these startups are showing, like, you can be successful. Yeah. It's not the 1980s where you have, like, a guy selling a pyramid scheme, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, I'm going to get rich off this. Like, believe in me. So yeah. give me some money. Like, yeah. you know, no, it's not 1980s. It's, it's you know, yes, there are, those things still exist. Pyramid mm-hmm. schemes definitely still exist. They're all over the place. Be careful. <laughs> but, you know, beyond that, it's like you can come up with an idea. You can do it. It has been proven. Time. It's not just Apple. It's not just Tesla, right? You have from Meetup to WeWork to, um, uh, I mean, Turo. And those are companies I relate to. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. but you know, my point is like you have thousands of apps that make millions of dollars from games to uh, Vamper, which is a music uh, like a you can connect. It's a networking app for for musicians and artists. Really? Yeah. I uh, saw so they just got funding uh, from like two hockey players. Like you can do a ton of ideas you can you can come up with these ideas and it's it's okay now like it's, it's always been okay but now it's mm-hmm. even easier to do them yeah. and if we lived in a society again that was all about that positive influence like instead of like wow you're you're seeing something i can't see i i, I don't really man can you really do it you know like no like if you have people who believed in you mm-hmm. supported you and also kept you kept you down to earth yeah rather than like you know why would you do this you know like waspy yeah you know the idea of like wasps you know, wasps. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wa- like waspy mm-hmm. is like they're usually very comfortable in in their place, like where yeah. they are. Okay. You know, and so taking that and extending it, that is the average person. Like, oh, I have a nine to five job. Yeah, I would love to 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 be running my own nail salon company, but you know, I'm just gonna earn some more money. Fifteen years pass mm-hmm. by. You have kids now. Uh, I still would love to do it, but 20, fifteen more years pass by. Now I'm sixty, seventy years old. Yeah. I'm retiring. Oh no, it's you know that's yeah. what happens to people, right? So oh if you, my God. I just want to save all of those people before they have to go through that, man. <laughs> it's 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 not it's not it's not. I don't think it's necessarily worth our time in the sense that you know individually doing it, but mm-hmm. that could be an idea. You are yeah. an entrepreneur too. Yeah. Maybe that could be something to come up with. Maybe. Helping people not just be connecting as creatives, but like helping them see that they can actually be doing, you know, something related to their dreams. And their yeah. goals. that's what I try and do all the time. Like whenever I go on tour mm-hmm. uh, as an entrepreneur, it's talking to people and saying like, look at this. Yeah. Don't look at it this way. Or, or if you're going to look at it this way, try and see the bigger version, the bigger picture. Yeah. But I mean, man, this has been this has been a great conversation. It is. I, I, I appreciate you you being so genuine and honest about you know both your fears all the way to how you feel about music and, and all the other things we've talked about. Um, let's let's take a quick break and we'll be right back on Spill the Macho. Welcome back to Spill the Matcha. I'm RJ Tolson. Before we wrap up, we need to hit our random question for this episode. Which planets or moons in our solar system could support life? Mm-hmm. What do you think? <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> Have you thought about this before? I think not in our solar system. Okay. Not in our solar system, but looking up at the stars and thinking about the different solar systems surrounding those stars and yeah uh i'd like to think that mars could that's the common that's yeah, a common denominator for but i think that's why i think okay. that's why so i would like to see if venus could so i know that um, cause I don't know, I don't know the answer exactly either, mm-hmm. but I do know that Venus, 
if I'm not mistaken, Venus has... I've read that Venus as its actual... Like, we wouldn't be able to survive on the planet itself. Mm -hmm. It's so hot, dry, and I think there's, like, radiation. Yeah. But um, above its clouds, if I'm not mistaken, uh, like, its its upper atmosphere is, like, basically perfect for human, like, habitation. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's... yeah, I can't remember. I, I again, I can't remember the exact science behind it. Mm-hmm. But I think the clouds themselves, like literally, like the upper atmosphere, the stratosphere, or stratosphere. I don't remember the mm-hmm. specific, the specific sphere. Um, but like, if we were to be able to create a cloud city in a sense, we could actually live on on Venus's uh, wow. in, in its atmosphere. So that's wow. actually a good one because. But it, I don't know. It's not the the planet itself isn't like habitable yeah. for human life because like we wouldn't be able to go down and actually create you know, like life there. Mm-hmm. We can't, I mean, terraforming is a whole other subject. Yeah. Um, Mars though. And I do, I do know Mars. We think Mars has water on it. Mm-hmm. I think we've either found it or we, we know it does like underneath the surface, but I know that the atmosphere problem has to be the atmosphere is really thin. Yeah. So there's a mountain, the biggest mountain in our solar system is on Mars. I don't know if you knew that. I did not know that. I think it's called Olympus Mons mm. and it's so high that the mountain, if I'm not mistaken, goes out of its atmosphere. So like the top of the mountain is in space. Really? Yeah. And I read that if you took if you took that mountain and put it on Earth, it would basically like to get to the top you'd have to have a spacesuit on. Because with with like projection protection also like from the cold because yeah. it's like zero. It's uh, so cold in space. Literally you'd have you'd be at the top of the mountain and you would be in space. Oh my god. And then Mars, because the atmosphere is even thinner than Earth you're legit in space. Like yeah. you could uh, like hop off. Oh my God. Yeah, that's what I I've come up to the top of the mountain and just dive. Well, and, you, <laughs> and I, mean, I would never come back. Dive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if I, yeah, like it's so, that's yeah. how, but I, you know, it's, it's cool because Mars, I think we have this fascination with Mars, mm-hmm. but the atmosphere is just so thin. And so it, at what point will we just start to float off of the mountain? I, I don't know. Like I, I, <laughs> I read it, I read it a couple of weeks ago, but I know that like how, like let's say three fourths up the mountain, it's, it's like way bigger than the biggest mountain on earth. It's, uh-huh. Biggest thing about it. It's the biggest in our solar system, not yeah. just like earth, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, all that. Mm-hmm. So I know that like halfway through, you'd have to have like basically like a super suit for cold. And then eventually you get out of the at- the actual atmosphere and then go into space in a sense. Mm-hmm. So at, at you know at those points it's like who who knows because yeah. it just doesn't even apply to to Earth as is. Like we don't have a mountain <laughs> that goes that high. Um, but I know I also I think that there are two moons. I think one is called Titan on in Jupiter or Saturn, mm-hmm. and they have water. Because I know that the 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 requisite for this would be water, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I don't know. I don't think any of the planets themselves, aside from Mars, are potential for life. But I think that Saturn or Jupiter has two moons that may. I've read something about that. Um, have you heard of that? No. Like it's like Titan and Euripides or some Greek name you know, mm. or something like that have potential because they have water. Uh, Mars, if I'm not mistaken too, has, if you put a, if you put plants on Mars, it, I think it's either really dry soil or there's like high radiation levels mm-hmm. and the atmosphere is so thin, like they won't grow naturally. Have you seen the movie, the Martian? Yeah. 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 I think it, I'm not taking my information from that, but I think that was one of the issues there because mm-hmm. there's no oxygen. Yeah. It took him forever to grow a potato. 
Is that what it was? Yeah, I think yeah. it was. It's been a couple of years. Um, but I'll read the answer so so we can we can get the fact. Okay, what's the fact? So Europa and Enclidius look like good candidates. Mars looks like a good candidate as well. Uh, apparently, there may be life when we dig a meter or two under the surface of Mars because mm. there's water down there from our analysis. Europa exists within the gigantic and mighty magnetic field of Jupiter. The liquid portion is okay since it's be so Europa's a moon on Jupiter since it's below something like four miles of ice. Mm. So that's a problem because you'd have to dig literally four miles of ice and we'd yeah. have to bring like gigantic like machines yeah. all the way to Jupiter, which we've only gone past once or twice, if mm. I'm not mistaken. I keep saying if I'm not mistaken to make sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that my information is not like, you know, misconstrued. Um, you could probably work out a, a, a hab uh, below the hollowed ice, but it wouldn't really be habitable uh, in the traditional sense. Titan maybe, but you'd have to warm the surface by a lot and capture all the water before it gets mixed in with like hydrocarbons, so like poison, poisonous gases and, and such. You also need oxygen and probably nitrogen too. The moon our moon mm -hmm. is made of natural material that could probably make very, very good soil. And there's a surprising amount of water frozen on the surface. But the hard part is that there isn't an atmosphere to retain all of that stuff. So okay. it would just float off. Yeah. You'd like, you know, the water would literally just yeah. float, float away. Um, so it doesn't look like we have an exact match for a, like a place that could be perfect like earth in our solar system but mm -hmm. we're somewhat close wow yeah well uh drake thanks for being on this episode of spill the matcha thank you for you know, having me we have gone through a lot of, of cool topics relating to music and even a little bit off that with inspiration influence and mm -hmm. just a lot of great stuff that i think people can learn a lot from both experientially but also just like you know from hey this is the way that you you were able to do your tour I think that's something that many artists probably haven't thought of, of yeah. doing. So you may have some competition Dude, I going forward. That. I welcome that. I want more people to do it. For real. Just go out and play for people. Get from behind your screens. I know the internet is a great place to meet people and to get your music heard. But get in front of real people because that's a, like ultimately that's what we're doing. You yeah. know, when I post something online, I want real people to see it. Why not just go straight to real people, have a real conversation, impact lives? You know, Very that's true. what I want to do. So. Well, where can people find you and hear more of your, your music and, and learn about Six Romans? After album? all of that, you can find me on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Instagram is the best right now. Drake Murphy Official is my Instagram handle. You can find me there. I have music on Spotify, Apple Music, all the major outlets online. I will be releasing. I don't have a release date for Six Romans yet, but that will be coming up very, very, very soon. And make sure you pay attention to my Instagram because I'm going to be making a big announcement on there very soon. So follow me. I'll follow you back. I'm not one of those weird guys who wants to just have followers and not actually interact. Talk to me. I'll talk to you. It's all good. That's awesome. <laughs> well, that's very personal of you. <laughs> very, very cool. Alright, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for, for uh, stopping by. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Spill the Matcha with me, RJ Tolson. Find me on Instagram and Twitter at Arjutolson. 
Spill the Matcha is a Capritor Studios original podcast. The show is executive produced by RJ Tolson and produced by Kevin E. Wood. Download the Burst app today and check out all of the other inspiring and informative original shows and podcasts.